live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. You know what I'd do if I owned a hockey team? This is the Press Box. I hire a sumo wrestler. With Grady and Bischoff. I'd give me uniform, transportation, 500 bucks a week to sit in the goal, eat a ham sandwich, and enjoy the game. My team would never get scored on. On ESPN Las Vegas. We would get scored on constantly. Maybe, but we sell a few tickets. All right, here we go. It's a Wednesday, Ed, Tyler, and Jared. Welcome aboard the press box. A lot of news this morning. Big news. Big press conference. It's a big, big, big news day. Cody Bellinger. I need to remember today for when it is July 16th and we have nothing to talk about. Yes. Because there is a Major League Baseball cheating scandal that we are not going to get to today. We'll get to it tomorrow or maybe Friday. But we're not going to get to it today because UNLV hired a coach. Gerard Gallant's coming back. The Raiders play a football game tomorrow. And UNLV basketball plays UNLV tonight. Hoops. And they're one of the 10 unbeaten teams left in the country. Yeah. And they're kind of like the fourth story today. Yeah. Aaron Judge just Aaron signed Judge. a $360 million contract with the Yankees. With way too many years. Yeah. Like, we're, like, there's a cheating scandal in baseball, and we're not going to talk yeah. about it for another 24 hours. But it's a big one. So it's a fun day. And July 16th, we'll be looking around saying, what the hell are we talking about today? Is it bad? I kind of want to make it a bit where every day we go, there's a cheating scandal in Major League Baseball. We'll it, get to it tomorrow. It would be accurate. Yes, it would not be incorrect. The first bite. <laughs> Is Barry Odom going to take UNLV to a bowl game? Right out the gate, man. Right out the gate, man. Right out the gate. The um, guy just got fired for winning five. Yeah. No, I know. Uh, Barry Odom needs to take him to a bowl game. We talked about last uh, last several days about when Arroyo took over for Sanchez. He inherited a four-win team. Now Barry Odom inherits right. a five-win team. So you got to go forward from that. All you right. can't go backwards. So right. eventually, by the time I'm in my like 60s, they'll be in the playoff. Right. Give it another decade or two, and they'll be firing coaches, but they'll be inheriting eight, nine-win teams. Be good to go. Yeah, Even inherited a nine-win. Nine-win wasn't enough. Right. You didn't get in the playoffs. You're out of here. Come on. Get in the coach that's going to win us 10. So when you first heard the name, did you know who he was? Um, The name was familiar, and I was like, I think that guy coached at Missouri. And I was correct. He was the head coach at Missouri. I did not know he was the current Arkansas defensive coordinator. That was the extent of my knowledge was I think Ole Miss might have played this guy when he was at Missouri. Uh, I was in the same boat. I did not know he was the Arkansas defensive coordinator. Right. Um, I very much enjoy that. I asked you this question yesterday. Is it, are they going to hire somebody that has literally not been mentioned anywhere? I'd love, I loved that, that everyone went Gary Patterson. I mean, obviously like right out the gate. And it's very, yeah, it's a guy who it's the field. Uh, for those of you that are unaware, I'll run through this. He played linebacker at Missouri and then started his coaching career at Missouri, uh, had a few different roles before moving to Memphis, where he's the defensive coordinator. Then Missouri brought him back to be the defensive coordinator. And then when Gary Pinkle left, uh, who's the best coach Missouri has ever had, uh, he became the head coach. They hired from within. He got four seasons as the head coach at Missouri. He overall went 25 and 25, went to two bowl games. They did have a six and six season where they didn't go to a bowl game because there used to be a time when there were not enough bowl games right. for six and six teams. Right. Uh, but he got fired after that final year where he went six and six and didn't go to a bowl game. And since then, he has been at Arkansas for the last three years as a defensive coordinator slash associate head coach. Okay. Um, it is a pretty solid resume yes. for a coach that UNLV would hire. Um, 
I do think it's interesting. It's very similar to Marcus Arroyo with one key exception. He has been a head coach before. Right. Right. They went to right. a power five conference and hired a coordinator. Yeah. That's what Arroyo was. He just hadn't coached at the head coach level yet. So Eric Harper talked about it after he fired Arroyo. We want somebody with head coaching experience and all that. Is Barry Odom's head coaching history a good thing? Like, is that going to um, help him? Is it is the fact I that he went 25 yeah. and 25? Well, I think more so than the 25 and 25 is that he's been a head coach and he knows what to expect as a head coach. There's a lot of things that go into head coaching. I mean, look, the most important thing is wins and losses. We understand that, 25 and 25. But he was in the SEC. Um, but I just think it's comfortable walking in as a head coach. He's done it before. He's addressed teams as head coaches. He's gone through everything that you need to do as a head coach um, in 2022. Uh, especially since he's been at Arkansas, I'm sure he's been recruiting there. I, I think I think it's a good job. I think it's a good thing that he has head coaching experience. Yeah, I do. I don't. I, I would have preferred that over someone like Arroyo who'd never walked in as a head coach into a room. The part that I'm curious about is when he took over at Missouri. I believe it was a five-win team the year before uh, he took over, and he was on that staff, right? But he was taking over from the Gary Pinkle era, right? That had been, I don't know, was it two decades or something like that? Like Missouri had had Gary Pinkle for forever. And he was taking over from, you know, the best coach that Missouri's ever had. And he won eight games in a season, right? It's not like Missouri was bad. They got ranked a couple of times Mm -hmm. um, under Odom. But I think the interesting part is he didn't take over a program that had to be built up. Right. Like he didn't take over one that was like, oh, you literally haven't won anything ever. And we're expecting championships. I mean, that's what Eric Harper said. And uh, Odom said it yesterday in the video they put out about when he was addressing the players was winning championships. So the idea that he's going to build UNLV from a non bowl team to a Mountain West contender, that I think is is the part that sort of remains to be seen. But at the same time, sure, we lead off the show asking, is he going to a bowl game? That shouldn't be too far out of the question. No. Right. No, I mean, it shouldn't be. The They won five and were four and one at one point this year. Right. So, well, let me ask you that. What's he need to do in year one? I Obviously, he's not getting fired after year one. I guess if he went 0-12, no, Harper might he, pull the trigger. But. I think the expectation should be that he goes to a bowl game right. in year one. What, when is when is the you're fired for not going to a bowl game year? Is it year three, just like it was for Arroyo, or is it earlier than that? Well, we have to remember Marcus Arroyo wasn't, wasn't Eric Harper's guy. And I think you get longer, uh, a longer leash when you're the guy that the athletic director hired. Uh, so I would not say year three. Um, it's a five-year deal. So, I mean, you're exactly right. What, what are the records going to be for the first three years? I, I have no idea. N- none of us do. Are they going to be 0-6 again? I mean, I have no idea. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, these, this is the fascinating part about when we kind of try to give opinions on, on a guy that we don't know how he's going to do. I don't know who's on his staff. You know, yesterday, all I heard was, I wanted to ask you about this. All I heard was, well, he has no West Coast ties. I don't know if he's recruited the West Coast. We'll ask him that today at the press conference. You know, is that a big deal to you? No. I mean, or it's no. not a big deal to me at all. And people kept saying that. That's not a big deal to me. I don't know who he's going to hire in his staff. Maybe he hires two coordinators that have nothing but West Coast ties. Right. So, yeah. The, I mean, the, that's that stuff makes no difference to me. The main thing is that you can hire assistants that have recruited the West Coast before. Yes. The absolutely. other part of this. Is because of the transfer portal. You, yes. You're not as reliant on, oh, what are your high school relations as you used to be? And the part that I'm interested in, Arkansas is um, one of the top five teams in the country in terms of players that have already entered the transfer portal. It was 13 as of yesterday. 
Uh, like Colorado State, by the way, has like 20 or something well, already. But I mean, but, I mean, did you see him? <laughs> but Arkansas has already got 13 kids oh, in the, the transfer portal. Uh, I did not go through and see how good any of those players were. I know one backup quarterback's in there. But whatever, there's 13 kids in there. The part I'm curious, because Marcus Perry didn't do this. I think there was like one running back that came from Oregon and transferred to UNLV. Can Barry Odom bring any players with him? Like, do Arkansas I mean, had, players like him enough that they're maybe they're going to come with him? I don't know. Maybe he had great relations with them, and they will. And I would throw Missouri into that conversation, too. I mean, he wasn't he hasn't been there in three years, so probably the players he coached aren't there. But he played at Missouri. He was an assistant coach for a long time and a head right, coach there. Right. Like, does he have ties? Like, can Barry Odom bring Power 5 players with right, him? Right. Because Arroyo didn't do that. Arroyo went and got some from other schools, but Arroyo didn't do that. So... Regardless of where his high school recruiting ties are, you can hire guys that have ties. Absolutely. And, and hell, it's Absolutely. probably more important that your director of recruiting or some linebackers coach than the head coach actually has those ties. But can you bring legitimate players ready to play now with you in the transfer? No, we'll see. We'll see. If he had great if he had great relationships with these guys and there's an opportunity to play right away. A lot of kids go in the portal for different reasons. A lot of times it's not, you know, they're not playing enough or they're not getting the, you know, the playing time that they want. I would assume if you're at Arkansas or Missouri, you'd have a good chance here to get that playing time right away. So if that's what his that's what his sales pitch is, yeah. there's every reason to believe if he had good relationships with guys that he can bring some of them. I will point out as someone who lived in southern Missouri, aka North Arkansas, the two main pitches to in my mind should be no tornadoes, and okay. FEMA won't have to come help you after an ice storm. <laughs> good, good Those are two That's things good. that were a regular occurrence That's, when I lived in northern not, Arkansas slash south Missouri. That's not burying the lead. That might be something you And there with. were some big old boys on my crappy, my crappy football team that were like, you know, 6'6", six, six, 300 pounds. Maybe not SEC big, but big. You can get some big boys from that area. So I'm curious to see that part of it more than the actual high school recruiting. Obviously, you still need to recruit high school kids. Obviously, that's going to be yeah, an important part. Exactly. If, if Barry Odom's going to be here more than three years, uh, you're going to need to recruit high school kids. Like, you're going to have sure. to have high schoolers. If Barry Odom's only going to be here three years. It's all about the transfer portal. Well, but, he might be here for three years because he does such a good job. He gets. Uh, we've always said that about UNLV. You know, Oklahoma job. You can go one of two ways. You know, you can come here and build it and go to bowl games and do really well and get yourself a reputation to go to a higher level back back maybe to the level he was at as a head coach um so it could go that way too we don't know we don't know anything about you know we know what we've said about him this morning we don't know how he's going to be as the UNLV head coach but I think again I'll go back to my original point I like the fact he was a head coach I like the fact yesterday when he walked into a room he had been head coach before knew how to handle himself as a head coach and I think that's important uh, do you care at all that he's a defensive coordinator and not an offensive guy? Uh, no, you know, who was it, Drew Locke? Why are we pumping up the Drew Locke thing? Drew Locke, he was, was he, he was, an All-American? He was the, he was a defensive guy, but He was though. an All-American. Well, maybe he knows how guy. to hire offensive coaches. He got Drew Locke drafted. Yes, exactly. Let's let's not undersell. I mean, Get Drew, Drew Locke. Locke. The last, no, guy, like, the mean, last guy UNLV hired was like, oh, he got Justin Herbert drafted in the first yeah. round. It turns out, oh, Herbert was much better once he got away. Something I wanted to ask you guys. Did you notice that Arkansas Twitter wasn't doing what Oregon Twitter 
did when they with the last hire? Like, Some of them did. Oh, okay. I didn't see it, but I certainly yeah. didn't see it as much of the don't let the door hit you. Yeah. For what you're calling, when Arroyo got hired, Oregon fans on Twitter were like, thank God. Yeah. I, I did see a little bit of that from Arkansas fans being like, but en- that's fans. enjoy giving up 40 points per game yeah, and all fans. that stuff. We don't play SEC teams. <laughs> oh, by the way, one of the most annoying things I saw from UNLV fans yesterday, they were like, oh, 25 and 25. That was against SEC teams. If he can, he'll easily do that here. And I'm like, yeah, he also had SEC players at Missouri. He doesn't right. have S like. His record at Missouri is almost meaningless to what his record's going to be. Yeah, Ronald it's Bain. literally 50-50. Well, like, and it's like, it's like Arroyo, even though he wasn't the head coach, he was the OC. Everyone thought, oh, you know, he was at Oregon. He's going to get a bunch of Oregon guys. Like, no. Yeah. Then, no, that doesn't, it doesn't really work that way. You're not going to automatically come in and say, hey, I'm from Oregon, and all these guys are going to come with me. And Nike's you. coming with me. Yeah, no Oregon. Yeah, he didn't have Phil Knight's money. He didn't have a lot of Oregon players. He should have brought – that was his biggest mistake. Yeah. Where's Phil Knight's? <laughs> Can you imagine Phil Knight randomly be like, all right, I'm going to donate like 50 million to UNLV <laughs> Athletics. What? That's their biggest mistake. Does Phil Knight have a son that can be the football coach of UNLV? Because <laughs> that might be better than any actual football coach is Phil Knight's money. Might work out pretty well. All right, coming up next, we'll jump into some Raiders because are they about to play Baker Mayfield tomorrow? Uh, yeah, I mean, I like it. Anytime we have, you know, a, a shot called like that where – it's a little bit of a change-up, um, borderline trick play. You know, it keeps them on their toes. And honestly, I think the Chargers played it pretty well. What's up, Nate? That's Nate Hobbs, everybody. Nate Hobbs. Uh, but I think they, they actually played it pretty well. Just uh, They just didn't – they ran out of defenders back there, and one of them had to run with uh, with Key on the on the outside, and it left me one-on-one with uh, with 23 in there. And great ball, you know, good protection. Just just had to, had to finish the play. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is The Press Box with Grady and Bischoff. What's up, Nate? That's Nate Hobbs, everybody. Nate Hobbs. Barry Odom's going to be introduced at 10 o'clock today as UNLV's next head coach. Uh, Are we carrying that live, Jared? Yes, we are. So listen to it right here (laughs) after The Press Box. Um, The Raiders are going to play tomorrow. Against the Rams, Thursday night football. The Rams claimed Baker Mayfield off waivers, who asked for his release from the Panthers, got put on waivers. Um, the Rams are now going to have to pay, I think it's $1.3 million to Baker Mayfield for the rest of the season. The Rams, though, haven't ruled Baker Mayfield out from playing tomorrow. They apparently sent him a playbook yesterday so he could study it on the plane to L.A., is there any way Baker Mayfield plays tomorrow for the Rams? I mean, do you want him or John Wolford? <laughs> Probably John, John Wolford or Bryce Perkins. Probably those two. <laughs> Bryce Perkins. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'd kind of like, I think it'd be fun to see oh, Baker. Oh, it'd be hilarious. It'd be great to see Baker trying to run the offense What are they going to have, day. five plays installed? Yeah. Like, I yes, I am 100% cheering for Baker Mayfield to take Absolutely. the field against the Raiders. That would be... Incredible entertainment. Be a great storyline and probably hilariously entertaining. And honestly, given who the Raiders have lost to this year, that's probably a bad sign. They lost to the high school coach in his first ever game. <laughs> They'd probably lose to Baker Mayfield, who can only run five plays. Be like, oh, With no wide receivers. Right. Oh, they're running, and a running back who averages three yards a carry. Right. They're running five plays a game, and we can't stop any of them, so we lose. All the other coaches are like, wait a minute. We should just run the same five over and over? 
block Chandler Jones and Max Crosby? But there's no way, right? I mean, he just got the playbook and he was on a plane coming in? No, I don't think so. I don't think he could pick it up that fast. Is there any benefit? I want him to. Is there any benefit to the Rams like trying to fake the Raiders out and be like, oh, we don't know. Maybe he's going to play. Oh, I don't know. I mean, if you're preparing, do you you know would you put on one one or two films of him and see what see what uh, Baker Mayfield's all about? I don't think you sure put on you any film know. of him. You just watch I mean, the Rams' offense yeah. and say, "All right, they're getting a guy who couldn't play in Carolina, <laughs> like and who's trying to run this again with no wide receivers right. or a, and a running back who can't run." Does anyone else think that it's kind of weird that the team that has a quarterback doing pizza commercials who's not playing, a coach who is playing very poorly doing soup commercials, just brought in the guy that people got mad at for doing too many for commercials. Doing too many commercials. That's how I think that might be how they staff them. <laughs> They're like, hey, he's television ready. Television ready. Uh, what would uh, be hilarious. I want him to play. What commercials are, is Aaron Donald doing? That one, I that one, I was. I know he's doing them, but I don't know what they're for. He was in that. I can't remember what company it was, but he's in that commercial where it made him invisible and he tackled everybody. Right. Yeah, I don't remember what that was for. Yeah, probably like Microsoft or something like that. The last one I saw was uh, for Paramount Plus, which excellent streaming service. Shouldn't there be more Raiders in commercials? Well, Devonte does Taco Bell. Right? Yeah, he's got one in his house, which does, sounds like a sweet setup. Yeah. Does Carr have a commercial? I don't think so. I don't so. think he does. I don't think he's got a local one or a national no. one. A little surprising. Right? You know, well, locally, you'd think Where? someone locally would give him a Forget commercial. Forget about Carr. Where's Max Crosby? Yeah. it's a good point. Why doesn't that guy have a commercial? That like, guy should have Devontae Adams over, commercials. Like running people over. Yeah. Tackling people. Wait, why? Yeah, why? He should be in charge of the water authority. <laughs> <laughs> Way better than Ryan Reeves. Exactly. <laughs> he plays more. By the way, does yeah. more. Here's the thing: the Ryan Reeves water commercials. You got to freeze water to play that sport. Yeah, there's That's a, a waste. Question. Yeah, there's That's a waste. Great. Come on, I'm getting hip checked because my sprinkler was on for four minutes too long. Meanwhile, you got to have a frozen frozen water pad to play. Yeah, Max Crosby would be a little more terrifying than Ryan Reeves. Yes, and like you said, he plays and does things. <laughs> <laughs> We need more Raiders with commercials. Is the is the actual yeah, that's, story here? No, that's interesting though. That no locally that they haven't picked up on that because Devontae's got to be national, right? The Taco Bell's got to yeah. be national, right? Yeah. I nope. don't know about the local one with his house. Is that Taco Bell? That is Taco Bell. That's yeah, the same it's Taco thing. Bell. Yeah, I can't think of anything else he's in besides the Taco Bell ones. So that's the only thing. I I know there's a billboard with Hunter Renfro. I think for a car yes, dealership I've on the two fifteen. I've seen that on the two. Yeah, I've seen that's Hunter about Renfro. the only thing I can think of where. Yeah. Any of the Raiders players are in commercials. What are we doing here? I, I will say there's there is a Hunter Renfro commercial, but I think it's through the Raiders. It's it's one of the official oh, brands. One of those. Yeah. So I don't know if it's a Hunter Renfro commercial or a hey guys, one of our guys who who has time after practice to run around a bit. <laughs> put not your, not put your jersey practice. on. <laughs> is it is, it's a commercial where they can use the Raiders logo? Yes. Because those are my favorite when it's like they're clearly in a Raiders jersey or a team's jersey, and they, ah, we had to Photoshop out the logo. That's I mean, just a plain black jersey. He'd have more time nowadays to do commercials. <laughs> Are you saying Darren Waller should be in a lot yeah, of commercials? Why hasn't Darren, why hasn't Darren <laughs> Waller been in, like, five commercials this year? Is he coming back against the Patriots next week? I don't think either come back this week. 
Right, short they week. Were I know a short week, but maybe the Patriots next week. I know McDaniel said something about it's going to be tough, even though they, yeah, in a they short can, weekend they can come off to come back on a Thursday. But are they are they both going to play I next think, week? I think there's a good chance they both play next week. More so, Hunter Renfro, right. because just because of what we've seen from Darren Waller all year. Yeah, Raiders aren't going to lose to the Rams, are they? I mean, with that, I mean, it's either Baker with five plays. <laughs> Or we'll give our score predictions tomorrow. You're right. You're right. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I don't want to get ahead of myself. They will. They will certainly do that. Um, Did you enjoy the Raiders getting flexed out of Sunday night football? (sighs) Absolutely. Listen, you know, I'm selfish here. Do I want on deadline a 5, 15, 20 kickoff? Are you serious? I'd want every game to start at 8 a.m. I'd be at that place at 6 a.m. ready to go. Are you serious? (laughs) I want every game to start as early as possible. I am selfish in this sense. Uh, I am also selfish in that I wish they played every game in primetime. Okay, so we're opposite. Yeah, 100%. Because I, the thing I hate the most is when the Raiders are playing in the 10 or the 1 o'clock window, and I don't really get to pay attention to the other games going on. Yeah, I will say that is kind of... Like last week, what happened in the Dolphins 49ers game? I don't know. I saw, I had it on one of my TVs. I saw the Tyreek Hill touchdown, and I saw the play where Tua got hurt, and the 49ers scored a touchdown. Those are the only two plays I saw from that game. Like when the when the Raiders play and there's other games on, I don't really pay. We attention have different to those. priorities, my we friend. We do absolutely we have different so priorities. When they play in prime time, they're the only game on at that time, right. and I can pay attention to the, all the other games during right. the ten and one o'clock window. So we do definitely different priorities. I, I will say that there also is a certain level of just watching a random crappy Saints and Tampa Bay game that you're just like, well, there's nothing else. I can, it's either this or the voice. I was about to say uh, Family Feud. <laughs> I'm gonna watch this. All right, coming up next, Ben Goats joins the show. He can send Morocco through by putting this away. And he does! Morocco make it! And Spain out of the World Cup! You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Joining us now from the Review Journal is Ben Goats. Good morning, Ben. How Hello, are Benjamin. You? Good morning. Good to be with you guys. Um, which uh, which team in Las Vegas do you think is next to fire their coach and try to hire somebody? Because we've got Raiders, Golden Knights, and UNLV football all within the last 13 months, I think it is now. Who's next, Ben? Give us a local sports prediction. Man, that's going to be tough. I mean, what's going on with the uh, the Aviators? If we're moving to Las Vegas, <laughs> we get new management in there. There's not a lot of options uh, left because, as you said, uh, everyone else has either been replaced or, in the case of Becky Hammond, won a championship. There's not a lot of hot seats in town right now. Uh, there's a hot, potentially a hot seat coming to town in Gerard Gallant tonight, so we can sure get into that later. But in terms of uh, every other team in town, uh, things are looking at least for the near term, pretty stable. What What's happening with Turk? I mean, they have just not gotten off to a good start whatsoever. I mean, they're barely kind of fighting for the playoffs right now. Last year, so much of the Rangers' success was goaltending and the power play, and they've gotten slightly decent goaltending and have a pretty good power play uh, as compared to a goaltender that got Part trophy votes last year and a power play that was scoring at an above 25% clip. So those two things go away, and all of a sudden you have a Rangers team that a lot of people thought after making the Eastern Conference Final last year would really compete 
to be the top of the Eastern Conference. Not doing that so far. And so obviously uh, you've already seen some fingers pointed at the coach. Whether that's fair or not, of course, is obviously debatable. And Knights fans probably think that they've seen a similar movie to this one before. But uh, certainly there is a spotlight on uh, Gerard Gallant heading into this game and as he kind of continues to plow through this stretch. Uh, given that the Golden Knights are doing great with Bruce Cassidy, the Bruins are doing great without Bruce Cassidy, the Stars are off to a good start with a fired Pete DeBoer. Do coaches matter in the NHL? <laughs> I mean, it's a really fascinating uh, question and thought experiment right now because, of, as you said, we've got this weird kind of you know, circular tree of like all these dominoes falling into place where the Knights are doing well with Bruce Cassidy, but who was replaced in Boston by Jim Montgomery, who's doing really well there, who used to coach the Dallas Stars, who are now being coached by Pete DeBoer, who is doing really well there. Stars used to be coached by Rick Bonus, who was doing very well with Winnipeg. So all these kind of you know shuffling of chairs is happening, and a lot of these teams have ended up in a better place. Uh, I obviously do still think coaching matters to some extent, whether it matters maybe as much as the importance we put on it, I think is an interesting uh, discussion, especially when we're talking about a lot of these experienced coaches that tend to change jobs, all are pretty good at it. Like when Pete DeBoer got fired, I think a lot of people here still believe it wasn't necessarily his fault that the Knights missed the playoffs last year. Now, whether he deserves to continue or not is a separate discussion, but I never thought Pete DeBoer all of a sudden was a bad coach just because the Knights had a bad year. So it's not surprising to me that he's having success at his next stop. Same with Bruce Cassidy, where Cassidy had a really, really good six years in Boston. Now, maybe he kind of ran his course there, but still, it doesn't mean he wasn't going to have success at his next stop. Um, and so, you know, I do think you're seeing that there are a lot of good coaches in the NHL. They are just kind of trading jobs, but a lot of them are doing it pretty successfully if you can get one of these kind of established guys in your building. So what does Bruce Cassidy do best? I've heard from a lot of players that he's very communicative and that he lays out very clear expectations in terms of this is what I'm asking for, this is what I need you to do, and I will show you in detail how I want you to do it. And that way you're very aware in terms of I explicitly told you to do X. If you did Y, that's why I'm disappointed. And there's not a lot of you know, middle ground, gray area, guys know where they stand with him. They know what they need to do in order to get in his good graces and what potentially kind of leads him to look askance at them a little bit. That's something that I've heard from guys a lot. They respect his hockey smart as well. I think like, like Pete DeBoer, he does really get into the weeds with this stuff. He loves breaking down film, especially about power plays. I think Cassidy is extremely, uh, extremely detail-oriented, loves kind of breaking down how to unlock a uh, penalty kill. And then there's little stuff on the bench, like Mark Stone uh, mentioned to me earlier this year, that just Cassidy has a knack for you know looking at face-offs each night and deciding, okay, this guy's got it tonight, or this guy has a really good matchup against this opposing center, so I need to lean on that when we've got a key draw or something like that. And those are just the things that Cassidy can pick up just really, really fast because he's been around the game a long time and he really understands the game of hockey. So I think communication and smarts have been two things that have stood out to a lot of the players so far. 
All right, let's overreact to a couple of things. One, Paul Cotter looked really good uh, in uh, playing on the top line last game, and we've talked with you before about the third line not producing very much. If you're Bruce Cassidy, when Jack Eichel comes back, would you consider changing the lines to try to get a little bit more depth throughout the three uh, top four lines? I think you have to at this point just because that third line, yeah, as we've talked about, it's just been such a mishmash of throwing different guys on there, rotating a complete different cast who's playing with Phil Castle, and it just clearly hasn't worked. You know, I don't think you want to be playing Michael Amadio on his off wing with Phil Castle and Nicholas Waugh longer than you have to. And so the fact that you can move Stevenson back to the middle, you know you've got a solid presence there. I think that's a potential option that Cassidy might need to revert to in his back pocket at some point uh, here because that third line isn't getting a lot of minutes. He doesn't trust it a lot with the way that it's presently constructed. And even bumping Nick Wobb into that spot with Castle, I don't think it's had the stabilizing effect that Cassidy has hoped for yet. Maybe that ends up coming with time. They haven't practiced a lot together yet. Those two, they still haven't gotten a lot of minutes together because Cassidy hasn't leaned on them at five-on-five like he has with other lines. Uh, But right now, we just still really haven't seen a combination that clicks yet. And so at some point, if it continues to be kind of the one sore spot in this lineup that you can point to and be like, that's where they're at their weakest, I think you need to take steps to address that at some point here moving forward. Uh, Did Cotter look good given who he was playing with, or do you think Cotter's just getting better? I think definitely a part of it is who he's playing with, right? That he's getting the puck in better spots. He was in dangerous areas, and he was able to just finish, and he can play a role on that line where he knows that Chandler Stevenson and Mark Stone are going to be the guys doing a lot of the heavy lifting defensively, tracking back, and Stone's obviously going to be the one forcing takeaways, getting turnovers, and then being able to find Cotter, who just needs to know, I need to get open, and then I'll shoot the puck. And obviously that was very successful last time. So I think it does simplify his game a lot when he's with those two really high-powered offensive talents that can do a lot of the heavy lifting for him. But, you know, right now, obviously, asking Paul Cotter to do a lot as a 23-year-old rookie might not be the best thing, and asking him to play a simple game might be the way to get the most out of him. So I do think it can work a little bit. Obviously, though, he's probably not going to score two goals every single game. But if he's able to get good chances, get good looks on net, he does have a really good shot. So we think you feel good about how that could potentially work out. Whether Cassidy ends up keeping that, uh, we'll see. One thing I think that will be a positive is for Cotter, he had an 11-game goal drought. So getting off the schneid for him, I think, is going to do wonders for his confidence when he kind of knew, I think, for a while there that, He has a couple bad games in a row, and the Knights getting healthier from potentially being bumped out of the lineup. So maybe he'll be able to play a little bit freer and easier moving forward here, knowing that he's got that two-goal game in his back pocket. Which Golden Knights goalie has been the best in shootouts? Marc-Andre Fleury, Malcolm Subban, or Logan Thompson? I mean, it's Logan Thompson. Uh, The numbers just bear that out. He is, uh, as I tweeted the other night, Logan Thompson, if he qualified for the NHL record book, which he is not yet, he's 11 shootout attempts away, qualifying he would be the second best goalie all time in shootouts i mean he has just been incredible the fact that he has only won two of them out of the five he has (laughs) participated in is just insane and shows you how much his skaters have supported him throughout this uh, endeavor of course everyone remembers them going oh for three that crash out of the playoffs last year when thompson went 14 of 17 
and the skaters put up a goose egg for 17. <laughs> so he hasn't gotten a lot of run support, but uh, he's taking care of his end of the ice uh, so, so incredibly well. I thought he was tremendous getting them that win uh, in Boston. Of course, he came up big in Columbus as well. Uh, he loves them. He loves participating in them, and he's great at them. They should let him shoot. Honestly, why not? I'd let him just coach from the bench. He's the one that <laughs> did the Paul Cotter shot in Columbus. Honestly, if I Bruce Cassidy, just have Thompson flash up a number, and then I'd send that guy over the board to make things easier. As Cassidy said, Thompson knows which of these guys are good. He's the one that stays late at practice, you know, battling with them every day. Just have Thompson call up the numbers. I think he's earned that. Yeah, Cassidy can just leave the bench after overtime. He can just go to the locker room, get his stuff packed and ready to go, and everybody. Thompson can just coach it and take it from there. It'll be perfectly fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. Uh, He is Ben Goats from the Review Journal. Ben, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. No problem. Thanks, guys. Uh, so there's been goats from the Review Journal on the Golden Knights. Uh, they play tonight against Gerard Gallant and the New York Rangers. We'll get more into that a little bit later in the show. But right now, we got tickets to give away to the eSports Awards of 2022. The celebration of all celebrations, the eSports Awards presented by Lexus, closes the curtain on the gaming competitive season. This year, the ceremony will be held on December 13th at Resorts World Las Vegas. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We'll take caller number three at 702-364-1100 to win a pair of tickets to the eSports Awards. That shot comes in. All summer got beat. He got off balance. Did it deflect or not? Rafael Leal adds the sixth. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Congratulations to William. He won tickets to the eSports Awards. Later in the show, we'll have tickets to go see Social Distortion. Also, tickets to the Golden Knights and Philadelphia Flyers. Um, Coming up at 10 o'clock, Barry Odom is going to have his introductory press conference. You can hear that right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Ed is leaving us halfway through the show to head down to UNLV. Good luck with parking and the radio. I, that's Yeah, that's what I'm most worried about. Not not getting the press conferences. Can I park? I could tell just in your text message yesterday that you were like genuinely panicked about parking Parking's on campus not gonna tomorrow. Be good. Parking's not going to be good. Well, it's at the Alumni Center. Jared knows it well. Flamingo and, and uh, Maryland Parkway there. Very small lot there, so not, not sure what's going to happen. Not sure I, what's going to happen when we get down there. I don't think I've ever been to the Alumni Center, so... Good luck. I think the last time I was at the Alumni Center, literally, I'm not kidding, was the Jim Livengood press conference. Whoa. Yeah. I think that's the last time. And I think that would have been elsewhere. The reason parking's going to be kind of dicey is the rodeo. Right. The rodeo just takes up every lot. Well, if it, if the rodeo wasn't in town, it's probably at the um, little strip view thing in the Thomas yes. and Mac. Yes, where they had Arroyo. Well, they did Arroyo in the Fertitta football complex. So I guess they could have done this. Yeah, they did it uh, in like the dining area or something. They moved out the tables. They did TJO at the Thomas and Mac, but it was off the. It was it was in like a weird side section of the Thomas. Yeah, that's the that's the strip view pavilion they put in. Okay. Where I think season ticket holders can can go up. When the uh, helicopter came in, that's when a uh, great. That's when someone let loose an entire thing of Sprite right on the back of my head because the helicopter knocked it out of her hand. Really? Yeah, I'm not bitter. <laughs> I didn't hear that, that one. That blazer jacket doesn't still have a stain. I didn't hear that one. 
I do think that's probably one of the um, 10 most times uh, I was closest to death in my life was standing, I don't know, 50 feet from a helicopter. From the landing. helicopter yeah. coming in? That helicopter pilot's got one screw up and, <laughs> oh boy, we're all done. Yeah. <laughs> one thing. Uh, Wait, are they flying this guy in on a helicopter? Where's the helicopter? I don't think so. He's already here. They came in on the private plane yesterday. He's already here. My guess is I mean, Otzelberger was already here, too. They didn't go pick yeah, him up he, from South Dakota and fly him all the way on the helicopter. Although, part, if there are parts of South Dakota that may have been more efficient. <laughs> <laughs> I want Barry Odom not only in the helicopter, I want him rappelling down the side, <laughs> holding on to a rope. <laughs> Well, with his unity so hat actually, on? Well, I'm they got to... rid of Hey Reb. I was going to say, in the Hey Reb mascot costume, and he gets off and takes it off. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> where the big your new coach. statue, if I, I, I'm recalling campus correctly, the big statue of Hey Reb was right out front, or not out front, out back of the Alumni Center, and now it's just like a big cement slab. <laughs> hey, this guy thanks the media for covering his teams. He might do that if they ask him. What is right. the circle thingy in the Alumni Center? I, I've never been. I, like that I said, hasn't I've been, been, I've, decades, been there, so. I've been there so I haven't been there in a long <laughs> you're, time. You're asking questions that I have neither of no us can clue answer. what that means. I'll um, show you a picture during the break. Right. <laughs> all right, I do want to get to this in baseball because it broke this morning. Aaron Judge is staying with the Yankees. A nine-year deal worth three hundred and sixty million dollars. So that is forty million per year. For Aaron Judge, he's going to turn 31 in April, right at the start of the season. So this contract will take him until he is 40 years old. And again, getting $40 million per year. There were a lot of reports over the last, well, more than week, longer than that, that the San Francisco Giants were going to land Aaron Judge. That has that was viewed as like the big competitor to, hey, who will sign Aaron Judge if it's not the Yankees, uh, there was even a report two days ago that the Giants were going to offer Aaron Judge $360 million. Do you think the Yankees got scared and like caved in here to what Aaron Judge wanted? Uh, a bit. I would assume they did. They they heard what the Giants were offering. How about this morning, the, uh, the report from Bob Nightingale that Aaron Judge flew to San Diego. The winter meetings are there. But for one of the reasons to meet with the Padres, who offered him 10 years, $400 million, And he kind of backed out on that. Thank goodness. So, okay. So here's for, from the Yankees side of this, you have the Padres offering more. We don't know if the giants ever actually offered something, but the reports were out there about a nine three sixty deal from the giants too. I'd have to believe if at any point the Yankees had offered him nine and three sixty, he would have accepted on the spot. And it appears as though that's what he did. So basically the Yankees spent all this time because it didn't happen before the season didn't happen during the season and didn't happen until now. They spent all this time apparently not wanting to give Aaron Judge yeah. nine years and three hundred sixty well, million until he did. until he went out and found it on his right. own. Right. I also give him credit for betting on himself that he turned down their their offer before the season last year. That's a lot, you know, like two fifty or whatever they offered him before the season. Yeah. And he said, "No, I can do better than that." That's a big chance to take. And then, of course, he has the record year, and you know, he bet on himself, and it worked out for him. Aaron Judge is he going to be any good? No. Oh, like doesn't this feel like an obvious? They're going to regret this contract very yep. soon. He has injury issues, also. Uh huh. And he's on the wrong side of uh, thirty. Right. I don't know. To me, it just seems like an obvious. Like, yeah. I mean, not that Aaron Judge is going to be awful, but this feels very Albert Pujols like. Yes. Where with the Angels, like the the most unbelievable stat still is that every single season that Pujols played with the Cardinals, including this last year, 
his OPS was higher than every single season he played with the Angels. Like that contract was immediately not right. good from the Angels. Like this feels very obviously he's staying with the same team, but this feels very much like the Pools contract where you're paying for what he did, yeah, and not what he's going to do. And no, I mean in nine years or forty million a year, you think he's going to be the same guy? I don't know if he's going to be the same guy in three years. Right, might not be next year. Yeah, I mean Aaron Judge is going to be a the good... expectations now are right beyond probably reasonable. And the Yankees haven't done anything significant to that roster. Right, they brought back right. Anthony Rizzo and. They've now signed Aaron Judge. Free agency's still a long way to go before it's finished here, but what's different about that team? And, like, yeah, they won the AL East, but what's different about that team? Not much. Yeah. And uh, you you love that as an Astros fan. Aaron Judge, I think it was one hit in the ALCS. You wanted this. Oh, yeah. I'm not I'm not worried at all about Aaron Judge. I'm yeah. more upset the Yankees brought Anthony Rizzo back than I am they got Aaron, Aaron Judge. Judge. Mainly because I wanted Anthony Rizzo as an Astro. But, <laughs> like, in the ALCS... The two Yankees hitters that were most like it was I was scared or whatever watching was, was Rizzo? Anthony Rizzo and Harrison Bader. Damn guy with his mouthpiece kept hitting home runs. I'm like, who is this guy? He's <laughs> got like four career home runs and he's doubled that in the ALCS. That was it. Nobody else in that. I mean, Giancarlo Stanton was going to hit one 145 miles an hour every now right. and then. But he's also going to swing and miss on every other pitch you throw right. him. Like it just... They don't have, they had a brutal lineup to end the year of guys that are just easy to just throw them all curveballs. Like, that's like the one big difference about the Phillies. They got guys that can hit the curveball. The Yankees literally have a lineup of nine guys that cannot hit a curveball.